box to box stoppage time. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Hello and welcome to Box to Box Stoppage Time. You're with Rob Gilbert, Michael Edgeley and Joey Lynch for our podcast where we go through our highlights of the past week, our teams and moments and plenty more. So, Edge, um, I'm going to say hello to you first, but I'm going to, you know, give our uh, our guest sub first cap on the ring. How are you, Edge? A few days later, settled back into Bangkok? Yeah, well and truly, yep. And uh, looking forward to this Stoppage Time edition because Joey's um, adds a little bit of colour and flavour that we don't normally get. Lots to talk about, Rob. Yeah, he sounds a lot smarter than we usually do, but um, hey. He does. So, Joey, sound smart, please. Game of the week. <laughs> uh, I will endeavour to try to uh, bring some level of elevated discourse to proceedings. <laughs> My game of the week um, came in the A-League men competition. Uh, not so much because it was a riveting display of incredible football, but just more so the wash-up from it and what it might mean. The Central Coast Mariners for Western United nil and how now Western United still cannot win uh, a game of football, can't take points. But this one, I think, notable in the sense that this was probably their most abject 90 minutes of the season. They had that terrible half um, against Western Sydney Wanderers um, earlier in the campaign. But this time around, it just looked like... um, I have no idea what the Western United players were doing. They weren't playing a football game, I'll tell you that. To concede three goals from corners, that just suggests that there's a level of, well, not not enough levels of, they're coach killers uh, conceding uh, goals from corners. And they conceded three. And one has to imagine that it's put, we've already seen two coaches get the axe this season um, in Steve Corica and Rado Vidicic. And that sets the market. That sort of gives cover to other clubs to not go first, to not have to be the ones that did it first. And with Western United, they're keeping on losing football games. If they can't turn this around soon, one wonders uh, just how long John Aloisi can hold on there, albeit one has to acknowledge he hasn't exactly been dealt a very good hand when he goes on the road and then he comes back and he's been made to play home games in Ballarat, which, as he said, is basically another away trip. He's running into the same problems that Marco Rudan did uh, in his second and final season at Western United. My game of the week is Arsenal and Chelsea's clash in the Women's Super League. It was a record crowd, believe it or not. 59,042 people saw Arsenal put Chelsea to the sword, led by Caitlin Ford, Steph Catley, and off the bench, Kyra Cooney-Cross. But that was not the entire story. The entire story is that Chelsea, after winning four women's Super League titles on the trot um, are starting to show signs of cracking and weakness. And um, you'd have to say that um, they've got a little bit of work to do, albeit they're still well and truly in the hunt. And Arsenal, who lost the opening round uh, fixture 1-0 to Liverpool, have well and truly been uh, turning their season around. And I just want to just obviously reflect in the glory of um, the importance of Steph Catley and Caitlin Ford to Arsenal's performances. They've been really fabulous. No um, no women's footballers do more travel than the Matildas national team players. So the ability to fly to and from um, Australia um, and then obviously across to Canada of recent times and then front up uh, in front of a massive crowd on a gloomy, wet uh, afternoon. Uh, just a fantastic uh, performance by the Australian girls to be at the forefront of that match. And uh, that was my game of the week, Rob, for all the reasons I talked about. Yeah, well said. Um, 
I'm going to go to the Bundesliga for mine because we've been watching that pretty carefully. Obviously, Harry Kane, uh, he uh, yeah, may or may not be uh, watching uh, events uh, in the Premier League, wondering whether he uh, is uh, the... Uh, uh, the one that's going to miss out on something special and hoping that um, what he doesn't miss is um, is a trophy in the Bundesliga. But there's the uh, fly in the ointment called Leverkusen who just keep on winning. And if they don't win, they're not losing. And uh, and Eintracht Frankfurt uh, came and spoiled the party uh, over the weekend. So so the, the picture was that uh, that that uh, Bayern had a, a match um, abandoned or, or postponed against Union Berlin and uh, and had the game in hand. Leverkusen drew against Stuttgart over the weekend, so it was all set up for Bayern to win. And uh, and then mathematically, if you give them the Union Berlin points, uh, to be back on top. But Eintracht Frankfurt had something else to say. And and they've been a team over the course of history that's uh, that's consistently given Bayern a, a lot of uh, troubles. And they did over the weekend. Thomas Tuchel's men thumped 5-1 in Frankfurt. So the timing obviously couldn't have been worse. So we're going to watch this space um, and and just see if this could be one of those uh, those seasons that, that almost sort of uh, is reminiscent of when Leicester City won, because we all know that uh, that Spurs were the team that, had they had got their act together, would have won the trophy. So is history repeating itself? We are going to find out in the fullness of time. So just interesting over the weekend, that result for me. Uh, Joey, your team of the week, mate? Uh, my team of the week, we uh, discussed them a little bit uh, on the previous show earlier in the week, but it's Perth Glory's A-League women's side. Uh, for me, uh, one does have to acknowledge that it was an understrength Melbourne City side that they beat over the weekend, missing um, a series of players. Um, Rebecca Stott wasn't able to play, and I think she's just an absolutely massive absence um, for the mothers like Amina Rekic have to come off the bench. But I think Perth Glory coming all the way across the Nullarbor and getting a deserved win over Melbourne City really, for me, established themselves as a potential contender in the A-League women. After the first month of the season, I was looking at it and say, all right, Melbourne City can win the league. Melbourne City probably favourites to win the league. Uh, Melbourne victory have enough there that if they get good enough and they get hot enough, they can win the league. Sydney FC, um, not as close to winning the league as I thought at the start of the season, but can still win the league. Need to see more from Cat Smith, West United. But I think Perth are now moving into that conversation for me, just based upon their early season form. And maybe because there hasn't been a real outstanding or conquering side um, elsewhere in the league to knock them off. Yeah, yeah, that sounds a, a pretty good analysis, uh, Joey. Edge, um, what about your team of the week? Well, my team of the week is MacArthur. And uh, that's because they've gone top of the table um, after six unbeaten uh, matches, uh, they well and truly put Sydney to the sword in front of Sydney's home crowd. And, and MacArthur, they, it's like Western United. I, when I think about these clubs, I think about um, what would have been had of um, the other candidates for their their position in the A-League were entered in. So I'm often thinking negatively about Western and MacArthur because of they're just struggling for a community and support and Western seem homeless and all that sort of stuff. But MacArthur, uh, they well and truly have um, put, they're putting a season together and they're doing exceptionally well. Milos Dojovsky, was a, was, uh, the, his appointment wasn't heralded when he first uh, was announced that he was taking over the 
the reins. Um, but uh, one of their players, um, for me, the Frenchman that they've recruited, Germain, has well and truly been the player of the season for MacArthur. And he continues to set high standards, I understand, at training and in the matches. And MacArthur, I dip my lid to them because all of a sudden they're top of the table, they're playing beautiful football, and they're just not losing, which obviously you need to do if to go to go top. So well done, MacArthur. And if you live in Western Sydney or in that region out at Campbelltown and you don't have an A-League team, get down and support them because they need a bit of support, Rob. Yes, and that, that was a very profound um, uh, comment that you made there, that you, you need to, to keep winning to stay on top of the ladder. Um, that's that's a piece of analysis that you only get well, not losing. box to box. Don't worry, Edge, it could have easily come out of my mouth. Uh, now, my, my team of the week, and I'm going to give a tribute to my, my friend Cameron Dawson, uh, eager listeners uh, or close listeners to, to box to box would have heard me mention to him over the journey. Uh, born in Wolverhampton, he's a Birmingham boy, born at... Uh, raised, uh, came to Australia about eight years ago, and he uh, he's a law student right now, but he uh, he works with my family, caring for my 18-year-old son, Alexander, who has cerebral palsy, and uh, and Cameron is one of uh, a very small group of carers that we have uh, who look after my little guy, and he absolutely is as passionate an Aston Villa man as there is, so I'm giving him this tribute. He turned up to our place today wearing uh, one of his many uh, Villa shirts, um, 15 straight home matches. We talked about it in the in the main show. You would have heard it on any podcast and read it anywhere. Now, to beat Manchester City and Arsenal back-to-back, that is serious going. Uh, as much as uh, I love Liverpool, the, their win over Crystal Palace was a, was a, a, as wobbly a win as you're ever going to get, especially uh, uh, with a red card up their sleeve. They could easily have lost that. So if you're going for the form side, uh, there is no better form side in uh, in the English Premier League than Villa. Uh, they won the title back in 80, 81. Uh, that was the last time they tallied this many points after 16 games. And, uh, and, and uh, the only side in the league not to have dropped points from a winning position. Um, so, Edge, uh, do, do you give... Uh, I mean, this season is is a genuine proper title race. They have to, in the kind of form they're in, uh, when they start facing some of the teams around them uh, again over the coming rounds, as they did over the past week, surely, if they can keep this up, Unai Emery um, might be lifting the trophy. Absolutely. It's wide open at the moment. Teams in... The top four or five positions are beating each other regularly and it, uh, it's creating for a lot of interest. Obviously, I, I view the Premier League as last man standing, though. It, it, it really does come down to the strength of uh, of squads and clubs like uh, Villa. Um, they just don't have the, um, the money that uh, obviously Manchester City or Liverpool do to, um, to, to go deep for, you know, the, the inevitable end of season marathon journey that it is. So... Let's uh, wait to be seen. But if you're a Villa fan, they're up and about and they have every right, every right to be. And uh, I agree with you, Rob. Um, if they keep winning, they've got a chance. Exactly. Joey, um, comments on Villa briefly? No, I, I, I just I appreciate, and as I've said previously on this show, is the, the designated hater of all big clubs and everyone's <laughs> successful. I'm just always excited to see. I mean, Aston Villa aren't exactly coming from the poorhouse. They've won European Cups and Lee and the old Division One titles in the past, but I'm just pleased to see someone new coming up and breaking things up and doing it with someone like Unai Emery, who's smart and mm-hmm. he's doing you know good things with a group of players that 
let's face it, they, they're worth the GDP of a small nation, but they're not worth the GDP of a medium-sized nation like some of these other sides are. I'm just pleased to see in these, especially in leagues like England and all of that, I'm just pleased to see someone different competing and doing well. It's always nice to see. It's boring yeah. to just watch Manchester City run away with the league. It's boring mm. to, you know, just watch those sort of things. I want something different. And Villa and Spurs under range, but Villa are different, and I like that. Yeah, no, no, well said, mate. Me um, and after my own heart. Uh, now, I'm, I'm going to jump in um, straight away with my hot topic. We, we talked about this, uh, and, and I want your, your thoughts uh, in a little more detail, guys. Um, Joey, you did say, is there a striker in, in better form than Bruno Fornaroli with the Asian Cup just around the corner? Uh, he's um, he scored 11 goals so far. Um, he is leading the goal, the race to the golden boot. Uh, the next uh, in line is uh, Apo Stamatolopoulos uh, on six, and there are five players on four. Uh, he's 36 years old. Um, as we discussed with Scott McIntyre, Mitchell Duke is out of season. Uh, uh, surely uh, when when you're in this kind of form uh, and, and you're facing teams of the like of, of Japan and, and South Korea, there's no argument for him not to be picked really, is there? Well, there are a few. I've seen some arguments against his age about how he won't be there in the future. I don't think that should really be a major consideration. The World Cup and the Asian Cup, these are tournaments that you go to win. you got to pick your best side for. And in fact, in another way, his age might in fact help him out in the sense that Australia's commitments this season, they've obviously got the Asian Cup. But there's also an AFC Under-23 Championship taking place outside of an international window to qualify for the Paris Olympics, which Graham Arnold places an absolute premium on those Olympic Games. I think outside of the Asian Cup and the World Cup, that's his biggest thing, Getting even though he's not coach of the Oli Roos anymore, getting the Oli Roos to qualify for that. And when you look at some of these other options, these young options as well, the, the squad could be getting... These fringy type of players that are under the Oli Roos age that maybe if this AFC under 23 championship wasn't being played, they would be picked as bent options. But Graham Arnold potentially, somebody like a Moture, if, um, is Graham Arnold going to pick his battles and say, right, I need to call up Moture during an international, for the national team when there's no international window? Am I going to call him up to sit on the bench at the Asian Cup or am I going to call him up to play a role in the AFC Under-23 Championships? So that sort of thing with attackers like Toure, uh, Marco Tilio, maybe even a Garen Kuol, that could be opening up further opportunities as well for somebody like a Bruno Fornaroli to say nothing of Brandon Borello's injury as well. I guess my thing before I just throw over to Edge for his thoughts is that ultimately I think it will come down to player profiles. So you've got Mitch Duke, sprints like a madman, presses like a madman, tireless worker. Bruno Fornaroli is a bloke who holds the play up, can bring teammates into it. He doesn't rack up a lot of assists, but he's obviously can score goals, uh, brings his players into it, holds the play up. He benefits a lot, I think, at Melbourne Victory Cup, being, being surrounded by a lot of dribblers, like Zidane Machach and Daniel Arzani, love the ball to feet and will dribble inside, not just hit the byline and cross. I think that, that works out well for Fornaroli, but you've got that profile, Jamie McLaren's profile, poacher, fox in the box, albeit 
Bruno can poach as well and be a fox in the box as well, and Bruno's in form and Jamie isn't. That's going to be a decision. And then like Yengi, the pace and the power and the physicality against Asian defences. So you've got all these players and Taggart, oh, I haven't even mentioned Adam Taggart, who's playing well for Perth Glory in a Perth Glory side getting adverse results. So, and he's got the profile. Great worker off the ball, makes intelligent runs, opens up space, brings other players in and compresses well. So it might just come down to profiles. What sort of, what type of strikers does Arnie want this team? Great analysis, Joey. I think that it'll probably come down between Fornaroli and uh, McLaren. I think I think that'll be the probably the decision. And the fact that Fornaroli hasn't been involved since the you know the Japan loss in Sydney in the uh, World Cup qualification program before before uh, Qatar um, will probably count against him. But you think about the forward group, you know, Boyle, if he's fit, he's there. Um, Leckie, if he's fit, he's there because Leckie can play uh, wide as well as the number nine. Uh, Mitch Duke is the starting number nine. I, I can't see Graham at all um, varying that at this stage of um, the, uh, the, the situation. I think Mitch will be the starting number nine for most of the games. So it comes down to what sort of impact uh, McLaren or Fauna Rolly could have. And I, I'd have to say, as much as Jamie's been a regular, uh, you know, starter in, in all your regular sort of fixture in, in the camps, and he, you know, he, he played a, a big role in the game against Bangladesh, didn't he? So, um, despite all of that, maybe Fauna Rolly is challenging him for uh, for a spot. It'd be a brave decision from Graham to, to do it. But, um, I mean, it's not the fact that he's been scoring goals for me, Rob. It's the goals he's scoring. He mm, scored some mm. spectacular goals, yeah. and he's just incredibly creative and dangerous. He can, he really does. Um, he's such a different player to McLaren. He's such a different player than Taggart, and he's such a different player to Duke. So, mm. it's, I think Joey's analysis about the profile is really interesting. But mm. um, I'd have to say that Graham Arnold's probably thinking deeply about it a lot. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to be, and 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 uh, with some of those spectacular long-range goals we're seeing um, in in Europe, more it feels like we're seeing more so than ever before that um, that Bruno's one of those rare players uh, uh, that uh, you know is current, well, he's qualified for for Australia that that can actually do that. Okay, well, well, I'll we'll good one. Good, who can forget good one's going to be a part yeah, of it? Yeah, no, 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 fair point. All right, uh, Edge, um, your hot topic, um, Sam Kerr um, and her longevity mate um what, what made you um go down this path well she didn't go to canada with the matildas and i'd say that was a bit of a um you have a rest sam because she's she's obviously had a very difficult time really since um that calf injury at the world cup um she made some interesting comments to optus sport post game where she said she'd had a rough three months um that it hadn't only been her calf but she's had foot and knee issues as well obviously you know when a player doesn't um appear for international duty, albeit some friendlies. Um, but then, you know, the next club game makes makes an appearance. You, you think about all the management issues. I'm just wondering whether Sam's sort of profile as an athlete um, gives her longevity or not and the type of game that she plays and the athleticism she relies upon. I'm just interested, Joey, do you think whether um, – she'll be with us for another good four or five seasons or maybe some of these injuries that she's faced in the last three months might dog her and um, and we might not see as Sam as much as we would hope. Well, it's interesting because she did remark during the World Cup that she's never really had to deal with that many injuries 
before in her career and now she's just running up against them as she does approach that 30 year um mark i think i think it's sort of inevitable that we'll she'll be around for four or five years um in some capacity the big question i guess for me and it goes not just for sam kerr but a lot of these players is just how you manage them as they age and maybe um the years sap some of their power uh, how you manage them and what sort of role you give them. I mean, and what type of coach is appointed if it's still Gustafsson heading into the next uh, World Cup cycle, if there's a new coach, what the demands of that coach are within the system and just sort of, I guess, also, for lack of a better word, how ruthless they are. Or even if a coach with that level of ruthlessness would be appointed by Football Australia in the first place, if it meant that they might bench Sam Kerr and first, you know, force the world, well, arguably Australia's biggest athlete to come off the bench in games. As Like, this isn't, I think, going to be an issue for two or three years, um, barring ca- catastrophic things. The, the past two, three years has been hellish when it comes to player travel and player loads. And as is the case for all Australian players, I think if she can get a proper off-season and proper management, She'll be far better for it. Um, or be at Olympics this year. Just the, the the games just keep coming. But it is going to be a in, really intriguing storyline heading into the future. Is just how does one manage arguably your greatest ever women's player when age begins, father time begins to take its toll? Yeah, it's really fascinating. And just you know that Olympic. This could be the last Olympics where we have senior women's teams participate. Um, um, you know there is a, a growing push in FIFA circles that the under 23 age limit that the men um, program uh, enjoys at the Olympic Games could be uh, implemented for women. I actually think it would be great for the development of international football for that to be that decision to be taken. Um, so this could be the last time because it's a huge workload on uh, the teams that go to the Olympics. And of course, my um, bugbear, Joey, is that um, the Olympics really, um, it, it doesn't have the best teams anyway because only three teams from Europe qualify. Well, they, 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 yeah, they need to expand it as well. It's ridiculous that the men's men the men's tournament at the Olympics has more nations in it than the women. There should be the same number for both men and Correct. women. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We all said, well, well, we obviously want Sam to last as long as possible. So um, the uh, the management of uh, of such a fine uh, athlete uh, with with such a, a beautiful pedigree and such a position in the not only Australian sport uh, but internationally is uh, is a uh, a key point of topic and discussion for uh, for years to come. Joey, let's uh, bring it home with with your hot topic of the week, mate. Uh, going uh, to uh, the A Liga. Yeah, so sort of the inverse on the discussion we had earlier, it's not so much who's going to the Asian Cup, but how a Liga clubs, the Liga Hombres competition, how they will go about replacing the players that get called up. There are probably a few we could say are very likely to go. Yeah, types like Matt Leckie is one that is obviously going to go um, if he is fit. Um, but then how clubs are going to manage without like somebody like Bruno Fornaroli who scored 11 goals for this season you think he scored something like 70% of Melbourne Victory's goals or something like that he's outscoring several sides in the league if you're Tony Popovich how do you replace Bruno Fornaroli do you knowing that Graham Arnold has said that the squad is going to be announced before Christmas do you spend the last days of 2023 frantically looking 
for short-term options to bring in in January to replace somebody like a Bruno Fornaroli if Matt Leckie is picked, which he almost certainly will be? Does Melbourne City try to bring in somebody to plug that gap? So there's all these sorts of questions. I mean, could we potentially see a situation wherein we get where the league has been going away from marquees, but does somebody like Melbourne Victory just splash out for a short-term marquee deal for a free agent striker? Um, just on the understanding that we don't actually need a full season out of this bloke. We need him for six weeks until Bruno gets back, that sort of thing. So it's going to be really interesting to see if that Asian Cup squad, well, it will kickstart a scramble, that Asian Cup squad, when player, when club A-League clubs react. It's just how they go about addressing that. Do they trust the academy? Do they trust their depth? Or do they bring players in? How's Tottenham going to go without Son? And will Son go for Korea? I mean, that's a big one. So, Son will absolutely go for Korea. He loves playing for Korea. And I don't that's think right. Ange would stand this, in his this way. This calendar issue has to be resolved. And I can't believe FIFA lets the AFC get away with it because it, 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 the pressure it puts on everybody, um, you know, you talked about it in the A-League context. Well, but, it's the same as AFCON. Uh, yeah, so. AFCON, it's yeah, the same the, thing. The, they've got to get the calendar sorted out. Yeah. All right. That's a conversation for another day, gentlemen. Joey, thanks again, mate, for for jumping in. Um, we uh, we always uh, love love having you on at the best of times, mate. But, um, let alone when we get uh, the treat of having you in uh, in the uh, the main show at the top of the week in stoppage time. No, thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure. No worries. And Edge uh, back in Bangkok. Um, hope everything's going well for you, brother. Yes, nice and steamy today. Thirty-five, Rob. Lovely. And Adam Maloney, our good friend, making sure this whole thing comes together beautifully as it does. And uh, Derek, best wishes. Get well soon, mate. Hope you're feeling better. We'll talk to you next week. Now, please subscribe to box to box Stoppage Time and Offside, wherever you get your podcast. Tweet us at box to box nts and follow us on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. Like us on Facebook and join us throughout the week as our podcasts drop and we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.